Mini-episode 1147 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at Sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late-night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to FDH Lounge mini episode number 1147. This is FDH Managing Partner Rick Morris here with FDH Lounge dignitary Raymond Smalley, who had the great idea to come up with, uh, we won't call it an emergency podcast, uh, lest we end up paying royalties to the ringer, because I'm sure Bill Simmons is probably trying to get that bitch trademarked. But uh, we are here in the almost immediate wake of Antonio Brown signing with New England, leaving Oakland, and uh, somewhat akin to when Jason Jones and I spent two seasons the last two seasons of Justified, recapping and analyzing the show immediately after it would go off the air that night. Here we are in more or less real time, breaking it all down as Antonio Brown goes cross-country for the second time this year. Uh, And uh, this time, the team that he leaves gets absolutely nothing in return. Pittsburgh got a paltry 3 and a 5 for him back in the spring, but uh, even that ends up looking like a bargain compared to how Oakland comes out of it. But, uh, again, a lot of different twists and turns here, uh, Raymond. Uh, too many to keep track of. No, and since you utilized the E-word a moment ago, I will say, Rick, this is a state of emergency. <laughs> well, I'm... I'm putting that over. I hope you'll also put over what I said off air, that uh, at, at least uh, the one guy we know who comes out of this with a happy ending is Bob Kraft. Uh, absolutely. And as we watch this play out, there was a, a story a number of, of years ago, and I won't reference the specific story because I, I do not want uh, that story and this story compared. They are apples and kumquats. Uh, however, you had a great line as that story played out that as you and I spoke often uh, through these last few days, when that story a number of years ago was developing, you said that every moment that we thought we had hit rock bottom, that rock bottom was a trap door. That is exactly how I felt across these last couple of days. And my thought as, again, you and I spoke often Yeah, and uh, it didn't for Oakland, and uh, the way that it played out, and it didn't even for Pittsburgh. For as smug as all of their fans were, they they find Antonio Brown going to the team that always blocks them from going to the Super Bowl. Uh, Pittsburgh has never been able to get past New England to get to the Super Bowl. It's only when somebody does their dirty work for them. Sort of akin to the the Harley Race $25,000 bounty storyline in 1983 from the NWA. Pittsburgh always has to get somebody else to do their dirty work, and that just got even harder now that Antonio Brown's there. And oh, by the way, they face him in Game 1, where Antonio Brown is going to be giving them whatever he remembers of their playbook. So other than that, this is all going beautifully for the Steelers. 
Absolutely, and, and that is a great point. When someone texted me, yeah, he can't play for him. You don't think the first words from Bill Belichick on that phone call were give me everything you have? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, they're... The, 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 the first thing that they're doing tonight is, is they are they're pumping Antonio Brown full of speed, allegedly, keeping him up all night and making him jot down everything he remembers out of that playbook. So, yeah, this is a thing where it, it just, it, it, I mean, it's something as a lifelong Browns fan I love. Is Steeler fan uh, always getting to be Charlie Brown going to try to kick that proverbial football? And here they go again. Are you worse off if you are the Steelers and now Antonio Brown is, as you said, playing for the franchise that has consistently blocked your path to the Super Bowl? Or are you worse off if you are the Oakland, parentheses, Las Vegas, and the parentheses, Raiders, not only without a Hall of Fame wide receiver, without a three and a five that you absolutely could have used? Well, as far as how Oakland comes out of this, I think they came out of this as well as they could have, but in the purely cynical sense, because this is a phrase that I have used with you off-air, and I'm going to use it here. Antonio Brown, and this is in the career sense, he's worth more dead to Oakland than he is alive. Because what he, what he is now is, because, again, we're in a world of spin, finger-pointing, excuses. We're not in a world of what actually happened. We're in a matter of what you can sell happened. And again, Oakland comes into this with, with, with a very, very tarnished kind of a look. Year one, John Gruden looking every bit as behind the times, as 20 years behind the times, as he seemed to indicate that he was with his early interviews. But this is a thing where, again, I don't know if John Gruden is Machiavellian enough to know that he bought himself the excuse for this year, but you know that's what it's going to be. It's going to be, you know, man, we would have been a contender this year. We wouldn't have had this crappy 2-14 and 14 team. We would have been a contender, but he blew it all up, man. Which, here's the funny thing, is that I, I love when stupid organizations still find a way to outsmart themselves. What they did, and what Antonio Brown did with that video that he released, he pretty much proved what a sham Hard Knocks was this year. Because Hard Knocks was nothing but one long summertime of nothing to see here, folks. Well, really? Really? If he was so disruptive to your team, if he kept your team from being a playoff team by divaing his way out of town, why didn't we see any of that on HBO this summer? They outsmarted themselves with the censorship. Absolutely. And I would say that when you and I recorded our AFC West preview, I believe the consensus between the two of us was five wins and not a Miami you have to squint to see the three four or five wins however they are not even with Antonio Brown when we recorded a good team they are still not a good team however you are marginally worse they are still a three four I would say still the absolute summit five wins and that is and that is without Antonio Brown, and if I were John Gruden, I will say this. John Gruden and Mike Mayock throughout this saga, and earlier this afternoon, when I watched uh, John Gruden, I thought that they handled themselves with grace, with class. Um, 
you could see the the emotional exhaustion. You could see the disappointment um, and hear the disappointment within uh, John Gruden's you know words. You could have honestly, if you were them, gone out and and a line that you and I love to quote uh, from a former Philadelphia Flyers a general manager. You could have had you could have had nothing to say. He hurt this organization. Yeah. Ultimately, the question is how much set aside public relations set aside, and I agree with you, the fact that hard knocks, when recorded, teams are specifically given, if you don't want this or this or this, then this, this or this is never aired. I believe affording teams a cut and edit absolutely ridiculous should not be done if you are giving teams a cut and edit if you will and don't do the series yeah that said yes he hurt that organization how much though again setting aside what we witnessed over these last 72 hours how much did he really hurt the organization on the football field again they were five wins when you and i recorded our preview I'd still say at worst three wins. Yeah, I mean, it, it, they're they're in the whole situation basically of hey, we could have sucked with it with or without you, and they're going to. Although that's not the spin that they're going to make publicly. I will say this in looking at it, and again, my cynicism goes to John Gruden had to know when he traded for him based on the situation that they had last year. Okay, Antonio Brown wasn't likely to come in here and just have it be automatically a replication of what he did in Pittsburgh. You know, 1,500 yards, 12 touchdowns, whatever. It was all going to be downhill from there to whatever degree. But it was a thing where by doing that, because, and, and again, Antonio Brown is a guy, and I've been saying this for a while, that he is, and, and again, we may not see any slip back in, in New England, but there's a lot of city miles on him, as they say. He's been used Absolutely. very heavily the last couple of years. So it's a thing where you had to look at that and you had to know one way or another, whether it's moving to a new quarterback, a crappier team, different coaching staff, whatever, there was going to be some degree of fallback, fall off from where he was last year. And that for Gruden, that would be the perfect excuse. I think all along Antonio Brown has always been the excuse. He was expected by them to play this year, but he wouldn't be as much so it would be whispers to the media on background, eh, well, you know, the guy's not what he used to be. I guess that's why we got him so cheap. He's still a good player, but he's not what he used to be, and that's why our team's not better. Again, I think he functioned in a way where it was convenient for them because they knew what they were getting. What's that uh, whole adage about the snake that bites you? You knew I was a snake in the first place. And yeah. I'm, prob- I'm, I'm, I'm shortening it and bungling it, but, you, but we've all heard the phrase. Uh, so, again, they, they got bit by the rattlesnake. Uh, not exactly a man-bites-dog kind of a story. And the way that it ended up playing out there, I'll tell you what, I have referenced this before, you know, whether or not there's a grievance filed by Drew Rosenhaus to try to claw back any of that money, which that may or may not happen. I'll tell you this, I know there's some legal action coming, and it's a gimmick infringement lawsuit George Kokinas is going to sue Mike Mayock for infringing upon his gimmick of being a useless sock puppet uh, because he was completely, 
completely uh, having his balls cut off this past week by Gruden. Why you would go there just to be John Gruden's handmaiden in the first place, which I, I sort of questioned that at the time. Well, Gruden's got all the power, but he's going to be the new Reggie McKenzie. Yeah, I saw what happened to the original Reggie McKenzie. So Mike McMahon maybe should have been paying a little bit better attention on this. The Raiders bungled this in every way possible because it included kissing this guy's ass up until the point at which even that became untenable, which is probably plus or minus right around the point when he released the video Friday night. And that was amongst the several shocking aspects of what we witnessed. That was one of the most. I was driving home from a high school football game, and and I will say uh, to our audience, if you ever have the chance to go with your you know, your niece or nephew back to their parents' alma mater. Uh, that is what we did on Friday night. My uh, 10-month-old niece uh, took in her first uh, high school football game at my brother's wife's alma mater. It was a great night, but as I was driving home, and I heard first the audio and then obviously subsequently saw the video of that very slickly produced um YouTube video that Antonio Brown did, my first reaction was, all right, he apologized. The plan is to play Monday night. What? This happened? And your point about Mike Mayock, when we spoke Thursday afternoon, I said to you what I will say now. Sitting to the immediate left of Rich Eisen, and breaking down third-round draft picks, Mike, that has to look really good to you right now. Yeah, I understand that uh, Daniel Jeremiah tweeted something to that effect uh, today. That, like, you know, I've had a bunch of offers to get back involved in the league and scouting or management or whatever, and it's days like this where I'm glad I didn't. I'm paraphrasing him. But you look at it, and yeah, it's a thankless business. It really is. Uh, and again, the way that Gruden threw him under the bus... Again, how's this going to play subsequently here? This this might be the worst contract in sports history, them being yoked to him through, what, 2027? Because how is anybody in that locker room, and I understand he already turned it over once, maybe he, his answer is to turn over that locker room one more time and, what, throw Reggie McKenzie under the bus? Like, oh, well, you know, he was here when we purged the first time. Uh, because how's anybody in that locker room going to take him seriously when he comes in there like, okay, guys, there's one set of rules for everybody. We're going to hold people accountable. Uh, you know, who's not going to look at them and go, wait, what, a-hole? Come on. Are you a believer in Jimmy Johnson had the great quote of, I'm going to treat you all fair. I am not going to treat you all equally. And there's a great story that after Barry Switzer had become coach, it, notably he had his issues with Troy Aikman. And one night, Michael Irvin was out with you know, three other players on the team, a defensive back and two wide receivers that were not of the stature of Michael Irvin. And they were out you know, until the wee hours in Dallas, the shank of the evening, if you will. Yes. And Thanks, Gene. The three, thank you very much. Uh, the three of them come in the next day, obviously hungover. And Troy is incensed. And approaches Barry Switzer, and Barry said, what do you want me to do? Cut Michael Irvin? And 
Detroit said no. But you cut that guy, and you cut that guy, and you cut that guy. And I ask you as, and I believe your point is well taken. However, are you a believer in, I will treat you all fair, I will not treat you all equally, and, and depending upon your answer, I have a second point. Yeah, I think there's some merit to that because, again, when you're an outstanding player, you earn a little bit more of that. But here's the thing. What you're talking about more is the Antonio Brown in Pittsburgh where there could be things on the field offsetting this. He never did anything for the Oakland organization or team. There was nothing but the off-field stuff. There's nothing to offset that. There was the, the promise of what he would deliver to them. But that's a promise that was never fulfilled. Versus players who, the worst player on that roster, okay, has contributed more to that team this year than Antonio Brown did. So that's where the point goes awry. That is a complete. That is a complete point, and that was, as I said, depending upon your answer, I had a, a second point, which was: <laughs> Do you then believe, as you are a believer uh, within that, that? Antonio Brown should have, based upon his career, received even a minimum dispensation. However, you answered that point nicely, saying what you said, and I would I would agree with that. Yeah. Ultimately, as as I watch this, and, and, and I'm I'm writing this later, uh, and when I say later, uh, as the sun rises tomorrow morning, this was a story, the intersection of social media, ego, and what those two, within combination, the toxic result of those two. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, that's well said. By, by the way, where people can uh, find this uh, is, of course, uh, at the Great Sports and Pop Culture blog, Always Googling Adley Hammaker. You can find that Always Googling at Lee Hammaker at blogspot.com. So we'll look forward to that there and uh, any subsequent thoughts as well on this. But just, again, such a debacle in Oakland from start to finish all the way through here to stuff with the burned slash frozen feet and all the other, t- all the crap about the helmet and everything like that. There, there's, there's a lot, and, and again, I have a tendency a lot of times to be a conspiracy theorist out there, but uh, there's already the memes out there of Belichick saying into the phone, just call Mike Mack a cracker. That'll be the last uh, straw for them. So when, you think back, when you think back upon his, I don't even, you know, as I saw the crawl upon ESPN today, these moments within Antonio Brown's tenure, I don't even want to call it a tenure, all right? The period within which Antonio Brown was an Oakland Raider, when you think back upon these few weeks, and especially these 72 hours, what was the worst moment to you? What do you take away? I think the worst moment was just, uh, I think, the, the first time that, that Gruden said, uh, no, he's not suspended, he's going to play Monday night. When he undercut Mayock, when he undercut everybody in the organization in, in order to try to placate this a-hole. I think that's what it was there. And that, uh, again, no sense whatsoever of how to play the situation. A tough situation, but also, by the way, one that they set themselves up for. They traded for the guy, 
And then when they got him, they tried to play dumb. Oh, we didn't know this guy was going to be a pain in the ass. Give me a break. And that is interesting. Mike Tannenbaum, the former uh, general manager of the New York Jets, and yes, Rick, you are Miami Dolphins, saying earlier this afternoon, (laughs) referencing Laramie Tunstall, when he was asked, you know, will someone take a chance on Antonio Brown? We did not know if anyone would. He said, yes, you know, when we had the Larry Tunstall situation, you do your research, you figure out, you know, who this person is, if this is a momentary lapse, or if this is really this person. And my thought was, we know who this is. This was not a momentary lapse. This was not a crisis of character where the moment overwhelmed him. This was exactly who Antonio Brown was, exactly who Antonio Brown is. And when I reflect upon these 72 hours, I will remember what set this off. I will remember posting on Instagram story the letter with the which again, under the NFLPA, you are required to do. And for those who have said, well, they might not have handled it this way in Pittsburgh. Well, then they are in violation of the collective bargaining agreement. And that is a conversation for another evening. That's right. I will, I will reflect upon that because I remember seeing that and reading the letter and reading his comments and thinking, now it starts. And obviously we did not know where the road would end. However, ultimately we saw, as I referenced the point of former Jets and once again Rick Dolphins, general manager Mike Tannenbaum, anyone who will go to Insta-Story, and that is your action. As I said to someone this afternoon, we all forget that this is professional football, and where Antonio Brown went wrong is that he chose not to be a professional. Yeah, it's pro football, not pro wrestling, Antonio. As far as the way that this was handled, again... There's a lot that he did, especially where he ends up in New England, uh, that leaves it uh, open to a lot of uh, conspiracy theories. But before we get to any of where he ended up, I want to get to the way that a lot of idiotic people reacted on Twitter after uh, he ended up going to New England when the name Randy Moss ended up uh, trending on Twitter. Sometimes somebody who has nothing to do with, directly with a story will end up trending on Twitter uh, because people will be making comparisons. Most famously... Uh, in my estimation, in 2010, uh, when LeBron went to Miami, Scottie Pippen was trending on Twitter because myself and a lot of other people were, were using the name Le Pippen that night, going there to be uh, Dwayne Wade's sidekick and uh, taking on that uh, particular identity. So Randy Moss today, and there was so many outraged people. Oh, don't you compare Randy Moss to this diva? Oh, you're violating my childhood by dragging Randy Moss as though these guys aren't all birds of a feather. And you know what? Look, man, I'm up to a couple of different pieces of apparel of Odell Beckham Jr. with the Browns, but I'm not enough of a hypocrite to say he's not in this class, too. It's something about the wide receiver position in the NFL. When you are at that level, and I, I thought I saw somewhere on social media tonight that Terrell Owens was out there asking for an apology, like, y'all thought I was bad, but I never did anything like this. 
let's not be prisoner of the moment. A lot of these guys have done dumb crap over a period of time. So the people sticking up for Randy Moss and all of this, don't act like Randy Moss ever did anything like this. Listen, some of these things might be worse than a lot of the stuff Randy Moss did, but it doesn't mean he was pure as the driven snow. People are stupid. I would agree with that. However, I would say, as I said this afternoon, when I was confronted with the comparison, my response was, yes, Randy Moss was a malcontent toward the conclusion of his tenure with the Vikings. And he was absolutely a malcontent within his tenure with the Oakland Raiders. However, where they are different is when Randy Moss was concluding his first tenure, let us not forget that, was it five-day second tenure with the Minnesota Vikings? Mm -hmm. He was a problem. However, when he was with the Oakland Raiders, he was a problem because they were a very bad franchise. Yeah, something's never changed. yeah, I was. I was. I was, I was about. Yes, I was on the verge of saying the more things change. Dot. 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 Yeah. However, he wanted to win when he came to New England for that magical 2007 season. You did not hear a peep from him because they went 16 and 0 when he scored over 25 touchdowns. And I would also say. For those thinking, and I know you will talk of Bill Belichick and conspiracy theories and the walrus and the carpenter ring. Sure. I will say this, however, which is people forget that Bill Belichick's most prominent pre-head coaching position in the National Football League was what, Rick? Pre-head coaching? Well, that would be, of course, defensive coordinator with the Giants. His head coach was Bill Parcells. Was there a shall we say, uh, embattled defensive star player that Bill Parcells had to manage? Someone who once famously said that uh, he didn't card girls before he had sex with them. I will set that aside and say (laughs) that that watched Bill Parcells manage Lawrence Taylor within the locker room on the field and the ramifications of what occurred off the field. And when Corey Dillon came to New England, when Ronnie Moss came to New England, Bill Belichick sat both of them down and said, look, this is how things are done. And I will quote the great line from Casino, there's ways to do things and there's ways not to. Bill Belichick can manage Antonio Brown's personality just as when people gasp when they acquired Josh, how could you? Because if he works out, they will win another world championship. And if he doesn't, he will be on the street before the sun rises in the morning. I would say the same of Antonio Brown. And again, you cannot compare Randy Bucks coming to New England, Corey Dillon coming to New England, to Antonio Brown coming to New England, and I will not say for a moment, oh, Antonio Brown is about winning. No, Antonio Brown is about himself. And these last 72 hours have made that painfully obvious. Right. And not every However, not every reclamation has worked, too. Albert Hainsworth didn't work. No, absolutely not. Uh, Bert, you are well aware of Barkevius Mingo. 
Yes. Who I believe is now on his fifth roster since he was drafted originally within the top ten by the Cleveland Browns. Not every reclamation project has worked. However, one cannot say of Antonio Brown that he is Corey Dillon or Randy Moss because they were malcontents partially, at least, based on the fact they wanted to win. And when they came to New England and they won, you didn't hear from them. Winning or not, we will still hear from Antonio Brown. The question is, will that constitute someone walking up to him and saying, Bill Belichick wants to see you, bring your playbook? Well, in terms of how that's going to break down, I will say this, that uh, I happened to be running an errand a little bit earlier. I was in my car, a tune comes on, and it seemed very apropos some of the lyrics were, don't know why I instigate and say what I don't mean. If Antonio Brown is not breaking a habit tonight, then things are not going to go well for him. I would agree with that. And again, the conversation, and, and look, my reaction when I started receiving texts and phone calls, where do you believe he, do you believe New England? Do you, do you think? And my thought was, no. And some of that me, you you don't think there's even a discussion? Oh, absolutely there's a discussion in 30 buildings in the National Football League today, with the exception of the building in Oakland, which he just left, and the building in Pittsburgh, which he will never re-enter. Yeah. I will guarantee guarantee you 30 sets of discussions between offensive coordinators, coaches, player personnel people, general managers, and owners occur. So... Did I believe that a conversation took place? Absolutely. Still, when the news broke red, as I watched that abomination, which was Clemson and Texas A&M this afternoon, my first reaction was, what? Yeah. The Patriots. Same thought a lot of us uh, had. Absolutely. The Patriots acquired him and can win with him. And if it is minor issues, all right, the first moment, that he's on Facebook Live from a locker room. The first moment he walks back over a piece of equipment, the first moment he shows up, Josh McDaniels or Bill Belichick or Robert Kraft or an equipment guy, a strength and conditioning guy, Antonio Brown will find himself unemployed. And if anyone wants to argue with that, I would love to have that conversation. Well, the flip side of the coin is this, and from reading some coverage out there, I'm almost glad that I can quote the ringer on this, one of the articles I read there, because if people don't like the take, they can blame it on the ringer, even though it's the same thought that I had, which is, and again, potential, but him, Josh Gordon, if they are somehow or another both at 100%, and again, I hate to say this because you don't want to sound like you're prisoner of the moment, but that has the potential to be the greatest one-two punch in terms of wide receivers in the history of the league. I mean, I'm thinking back on this, and, and I'm probably missing a bunch of ones here, but I'm thinking Torrey Holt and Ike Bruce. But, again, it, to have those two, if they can somehow both be a full capacity, look out. Absolutely. They much scarier offensively than they were two weeks ago. Absolutely. Are they much scarier than they were 48 hours ago? Absolutely. When you consider 
Demarius Thomas, Julian Edelman, Josh Gordon, Antonio Brown, setting aside James White and what he can do as a receiver, and Sony Michelle, who I think will have a, an amazing second year. You're absolutely right that this was most likely their best defense within several seasons. This was when I wrote my triplets piece, quarterback, running back, wide receiver of every NFL team. This was still a top 10 team now. And someone earlier this afternoon said to me, set aside the off the field stuff. Antonio Brown is, I said, when he's right, the thing is, Rick, and I watch a lot of tape, and I know you do too, the eye in the sky doesn't lie. Right. When right, set aside the off-the-field stuff. When right, he is with DeAndre Hopkins, possibly the best wide receiver in this league, and if he has the Hall of Fame career we all expect him to have, and he was in route to having, He's in the conversation with Barry Sanders and others as the greatest short player, 5'10 and south, in the history of the league. Yeah. So, yes, this was a team that had their best defense in several seasons, and you have Tom Brady, you'll win games. Now, you have Tom Brady, the wide receivers I referenced, the running backs I referenced. This is now a team that can stare down Kansas City that only smoked the Los Angeles Chargers was better, obviously, than the Houston Texans is right there with the Cleveland Browns. This is a team that can score points offensively, that can now win even when their defense has the worst possible day, see Super Bowl 52. Absolutely. This is a defense that is now frightening. And if you would have said to me, will say the New England Patriots offense is frightening 24 hours before they kick off this season. I would have laughed and said, whatever you're drinking, get me a double. Yeah, but here we are. And uh, when you look at it, of course, you referenced his stature. Uh, perhaps uh, Antonio Brown, somebody dealing with a little bit of a Napoleon complex. And uh, it was briefly looking to be his Waterloo once he got uh, released from Oakland. But then uh, Drew Rosenhaus did what he did and got on the phone, and managed to get him 15 mil for one year, 9 mil guaranteed. And ultimately, and no one has discussed this, will he be quiet in the sense that he will be Corey Dillon and Randy Moss? And, and I will say, I covered those Cincinnati Bengals squads when people would say of Corey Dillon, well, and since that they thought he was a jerk, but now... I can't believe, yeah, we only thought it was a jerk because he was one. Right. Yeah, revisionism is a hell of a drug. Revisionism is something people love to engage in. Absolutely. I will say, quoting a line from a wrestling commentator of Shawn Michaels that you and I both enjoy, Antonio Brown needs to be the center of attention. In fact, when he goes to throw, he's upset he's not the corpse. <laughs> I just wish we could have gotten an interview with Antonio Brown where he said that he lost his smile. That would have just put this whole thing over the top and uh, given it uh, exactly what it deserved. So uh, an absurd circus of a story, uh, the likes of which we haven't seen in at least several weeks in the in the sports world. So uh, 
Any uh, any additional thoughts will, on this uh, this matter? And I will say, as I was saying, no one is talking about the fact. Again, will he be quiet in the ranking marks, Corey Dillon? We will not hear a peep from him. Absolutely not. However, what will mostly mute him is the fact. And again, no one is discussing this that if you look at all the money that is on the table, he will come close to in the mid-20s millions of dollars if he earns every incentive and gets his guaranteed and gets his signing bonus. So he comes close to, in one season, what he would have had to wait three seasons to earn in Oakland, and he might just have a Super Bowl ring. Very possible. Yeah, I, I believe that is incentive enough. Now, I will say that, if that is not incentive enough, Antonio Brown should never play another snap in this league. Yeah. However, and again, to me, that is the most underreported aspect of this story. The, the money he can make, the money he can earn, I think that will go a long way. And again, will he be? Will he have spoken and forever hold his peace? No, I'm not delusional. Neither are you. However. Will this serve to quiet him and make him not a model, but a citizen you can live with? Yeah, I believe it will. Well, yeah, and uh, again, as far as uh, whether he can uh, get everything in line here, yeah, I mean, this will be a, a true test of just how crazy he is, because he'd have to be very crazy to blow this situation, but uh, again as to whether or not uh, he can get a Super Bowl out of this along with the fellow Chowd teammates. Uh, as is always the case when you're talking about the Chowds in any sport, not if there's any justice in the world, but regrettably, justice has been in short supply in the NFL in recent years, so it can't be ruled out that they will get a minimum of at least one Super Bowl out of this. So we will, of course, be tracking this in the FDH Lounge as it goes, and uh, something tells me that uh, you and I haven't had our last on-air conversation about this. I know we'll have many off-air ones about it as well. But again, uh, thank you for uh, being available for us on uh, short notice here, Raymond. Thanks very much for uh, for your contribution. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it very much. And thank you, everybody, for checking out FDH Lounge Mini Episode number 1147. As we bring the show to a close, we would like to extend our deepest gratitude to NBC, CBS, ABC, Fox, All Clear Channel Affiliates, TNT, TBS, USA, UPN, Deadspin.com, YouTube.com, YTMND.com, MySpace.com, various blogs, Fox News, CNN, CNBC, MSNBC, IamBoard.com, Billboard.com, Google.com, ESPN, ESPN2, ESPN. ESPN News, ESPN Classic, NBA TV, NFL Network, Sports Time Ohio, Athlon Magazine, Comedy Central, Cartoon Network, The Boomerang Channel, QVC, BET, The Spice Channel, Steno Notebooks, Manwich, Papermate Office Supplies, Waitresses, Strippers, Bartenders, Garbage Men, Janitors, Microwave Popcorn, The Writers of The Office, Scrubs, Entourage, My Name is Earl, Oz, Metalocalypse and the Boondocks, Aquafina, and The Periodic Table of Elements. 